0: This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. It's not faith in some general philosophy or a system of ideas or even faith in profound theology or doctrines. This is faith in a person, personal trust and allegiance to Christ Jesus, the Son of God. And this is where the Galatian Christians had begun. Paul had shown up in their towns and cities, and he had preached, Jesus loves you, and he died for you. And they believed in Jesus, they were baptized in the Spirit, they were baptized in water, and they launched forward with joy In their Christian life. And then Paul left and other teachers arrived and they didn't want to undermine what Paul said. It was all very well, very good, very useful, but they announced there is more to be had. Paul did not give you the complete gospel. And if you really want to be complete, if you really want to enjoy fullness with God, if you want to go beyond this baby prattle that Paul has offered, you need the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to enter into the fullness of God's covenant with Israel. And only then can you be truly close to God and strong in him. These foolish Galatians had begun with Christ, but they had wandered into slavery. And we all feel this temptation. And we all feel the strong pool of legalism in our lives. And the simple joy of believing on Jesus with which we've begun, we find as we go on in discipleship that other teachers speak into our lives and we feel like we need certain rules and certain disciplines, and our relationship with God begins to be based on fulfilling those things and what we are doing for God instead of the great grand news of what God has done for us in Jesus. This is an angry letter. It is also a deeply caring letter because Paul is distraught that these Galatians he loves so much are putting their necks back into the yoke of slavery. And he corrects them with his personal testimony. And if ever there was a great man, it was the Apostle Paul. No one had a mission as wide as Paul. And he tramped by foot by land and by sea, from end to end of the Roman Empire to declare Christ. Yet Paul did not glory in his mission, wide as it was. And there was no one who had a theology as deep as the Apostle Paul. Revelations of the mysteries of God were granted to him. And Paul was given the grace to open up the Word of God and see things that no one else saw, and to unveil to people the huge structure of the work of God down through time and across the cosmos. But Paul did not glory in his theology deep as it was. And there was no one who could boast of having spiritual experiences as high as the Apostle Paul. If anyone spoke in tongues, he spoke in tongues far more than they did. Paul had had dreams and visions and revelations. He had ascended to the third heaven and seen things of which he was not permitted to speak. Yet Paul did not glory in his spiritual experience. High as it was, Paul gloried In one thing and one thing only, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. I wonder if you would say the same. Is that truly your glory and your boast? What you love to worship God for? What you love to thank God for in prayer? What your heart burns and overflows with? that you would share with others. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. These foolish Galatians thought they were making a spiritual advance by moving beyond Christ. But in fact, they were making a spiritual regression. They had gained nothing and they were losing everything. They had been tempted to move past the love of Christ When the Spirit was calling them to move deeper into the love of Christ. And the only true growth in the Christian life is growing deeper in our knowledge of the love of Jesus. Because we're speaking this afternoon of the love of no ordinary human being, but the love of the very Son of God. It's a wonderful thing to be loved. It's perhaps the highest joy of human existence. And when the taxi pulled up in front of our house yesterday and I heard footsteps running down the stairs to greet me, that made my heart very full. But as we all know from sad experience, human love is limited. And even at her sweetest and her most intense, and my life, my wife does love me very much, her love is still something I can take in, I can comprehend, I can wrap my arms around it. I'm able to withstand her human love. And her love is not always at its best, and my love is not always at its best. Our love flickers and falters, and one day our love will fade. But we're speaking this afternoon of love that is not on a human scale. The love of Jesus had no beginning, and it will have no end. It's a sea with no bottom and a sky with no horizon, and it is unimaginably fiery and intense. The surface of the sun has been measured at 5,600 degrees Celsius at the surface, which is relatively cool because at its center, the sun is 15 million degrees, numbers we cannot Comprehend, And this is as nothing to the intensity of the love of Christ for sinners like you and me, the love of the Son of God. And the wonder for Paul is that this massive, infinite, measureless love is focused on a single point. He loved me. And everyone who belongs to Jesus can and should and does say the same thing. He loved me. And of course, this infinite love is focused not just on me, but on hundreds of millions of similar points. But because the love of Jesus is infinite, there is no diminishment in his love because I share it with others. The love that I receive is far more than I could possibly take in. He loved me. The Christian faith is not individualistic. It is wonderfully social and communal, but it is intensely personal. We're not speaking in vague generalities because faith writes our own name under all the promises of God. Because what we've received in Christ is not an unfocused, general benevolence toward the vast nameless horde of humanity. It is a particular love for particular. Paul had contemplated the vast scope of God's plan in salvation, stretching into the mists of eternity and past and future, stretching to the very ends of the cosmic order. But he never, never, never lost the wonder that this love was for him personally. This glorious, incongruous scandal of Christianity. This week, the Atheist Forum Twitter account tweeted this. They meant this as a mockery. Christianity, belief that one God created a universe 13.79 billion years old, 93 billion light years in diameter, one light year equals approximately 6 trillion miles, consisting over 200 billion galaxies, each containing 200 billion stars, only to have a personal relationship with you. And this was widely retweeted by Christians, and one woman remarked, I have returned to this tweet five times today just to revel in the sheer joy of it. Those who have not had their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit cannot possibly... Comprehend the scandal of the love of Christ for us personally and particularly. Your very name is sweet to Christ. Your very face is precious. And our high priest stands before God, bearing our names on his breastplate as he continually intercedes for those now. Who is this me that is loved by Christ? And if God has granted to us any measure of self-awareness, we know this me deeply compromised, sinful. If you imagine the love of Christ is a matter for self-congratulation, you are deeply—we're all naturally filled with pompous self-regard. Of course, I am worthy to be loved, and then. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes and we see how far we are from God. When the Father loves his Son, infinite love is meeting infinite loveliness. One is simply the reflection of the other. But this is not the case when Father and Son love you. Perfection meets imperfection. Holiness meets sin glory meets shame, light shines on darkness. The Son of God knows you, and he knows you well. There is no aspect of your shameful self of which he is not aware. No corner and no crevice into which his light does not shine. But he does not burn in well-deserved wrath towards you this afternoon. He burns in totally, and this is true, at the very entrance of the Christian life. You are sinful. Far more sinful than lies, but your sin is no obstacle. It was an obstacle, but Jesus has taken care of that. And the gospel is for sinners or it is for nobody. And all of us here have been brought through the door by grace and sheer grace alone. But as we go on, as we grow as disciples, as we grow stronger in God, the love of Christ remains gift and sheer gift. We never manage to maneuver ourselves into a position where we now earn and deserve the love of Christ. I am a saint, it is true, but I am still a sinner. In fact, as I go on in God, the Spirit shows me my sin in ways I never realized when I first put my faith in Jesus. But I am no less loved. And you are no less loved for all your failings, for all your disappointments, for all the ways you have promised to serve God and never did. You are no less loved. And therefore, our boast in the beginning, middle, and end of our life with God is in the love of Christ for us. And this is a love that expresses itself supremely in self-giving. The Son of God loved me and gave himself. He loved me, therefore, he gave himself for me. And since we are lost and dead in our sins, the love of Jesus must go beyond merely fondly contemplating us. He must act. He must step down across the chasm to save and to rescue. There are many things that can be done by proxy. And when our family first moved here, we hired a local woman, and we gave her a list of tasks, and we would sit out in the back garden in the shade having refreshing drinks, and she would be in the marshrutka sweating away, going all over town, trying to find weird little items that we are unable to source ourselves. This was in the pre-Globo days, if anyone remembers. And we were very happy to have her as a proxy. There are many things you can hire someone else to do for you. But the one thing you cannot do by proxy is to love. I cannot hire someone else to love my wife and my children, nor do I want to. That. I must do myself or it is not love. The Son of God does not love by proxy. He has a mighty throng of angels at his command. Cherubim and seraphim bow on their faces before him continually. And at his command, any one of them, from the lowest angel up to Michael and Gabriel, would have in an instant become incarnate and come to this world for us. But Christ did not love us by proxy, nor did he want to. He came, he loved me, and therefore, he gave himself. And what Christ did on the cross is not the impersonal workings of the mechanism of salvation, but the painful, costly expression of his love for me and for you. Love for sinners out of love For me and for you, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of man. And to love me and to love you, he agonized and he sweat drops of blood in the garden, praying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. To love me and to love you, he stood silently before Pilate, taking on his own shoulders the condemnation that is rightly, Ours. And to love me and to love you, he allowed himself to be spat upon and to be whipped. And to love me and to love you, he staggered up to Calvary, carrying the cross on his shoulders. And to love me and to love you, he allowed his hands and feet to be nailed to the cross so he could be raised, to hang there, helpless and naked, for our sins, and most costly of all, to love me and to love you. He cried out in the darkness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you wish to taste the love of God, you must go to the place where Jesus of Nazareth was tortured and executed. We were not to love. Loving us was costly, excruciatingly costly. Our sins are the spikes and thorns protruding from us. And for Jesus to embrace me means impaling himself, allowing his heart to be pierced as he pulls me in. That is the love of the Son of God. And the Spirit is calling each person here today to go and stand with the woman under the cross and gaze upwards at Christ dying for you. No proxy. You must go there and look for yourself. You must go and feel the horror of the true nature of your sin being exposed. It was your voice that called for him to be crucified. Your hand that held the whip, and your sins that nailed him to that wooden cross. But along with horror, there is wonder, because Jesus looked you in the eye, and he died anyways. And as he expires, we stand there, and we confess with the centurion, truly, this was the Son of God who loved me and gave himself, we make Christianity so complicated. But it's very simple. It's living by faith in the Son of God. And if you are here exploring Christianity, you have questions, you're curious, you're trying to get your hands around this huge, complicated system, what we all want and pray for you today is that the Spirit brings you to a personal realization that the Son of God loved you and gave himself for you, not as a general system or as an interesting religious truth, but the personal love of the dying Son of God directed at you. And you are invited, like we were invited, freely, without cost, to come and sign your own name under the salvation of God. And let me be clear, this is not a wonderful reward after years of religious striving as you toil up some spiritual mountain. This is the gift of God for everyone and anyone. You are sinful and unworthy far more than you realize, but Jesus loves you anyways. This was the secret of Paul's life of faith the enriched uranium rods at the core of the reactor. And this is the secret of all those who endure and do great things for God. Paul's life of faith now was anchored in what Jesus had done for him in the past. Notice, who loved me and gave himself for me, past tense, because the cross is the once for all, never-to-be-repeated, supreme demonstration of the love of Christ, a past act with lasting effect into the future. Paul does not say, Christ loves me, because he does not need to. He is already convinced of it by the unshakable logic of faith. If the Son of God was willing to love me as far as this, if he was willing, in fact, to empty himself of everything but love and die a shameful death on the cross for me, there can be no limit to his love. There is nothing that can possibly be imagined now that could separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know we all struggle with believing that Jesus loves me now. I have my struggles. You have your struggles. And we grieve and we weep as hard things come into our lives. But when we gaze upon the crucified Redeemer, our faith grows strong. Our greatest need is to return again and again to the cross of Christ. It's very easy to get lost as you wander the streets of this confusing city. But if you've been here a while, you know the experience of turning around and seeing that TV tower on the top of Tatsminda. And ah, now I know where I am. I was all turned around, but this landmark orients me and gives me confidence. And the cross of Jesus does the exact same thing it's viewable from anywhere, no matter how lost you are, no matter how turned about, how confused, the shadow of the cross is falling on your shoulders. And the Holy Spirit invites you to look and look and look at Christ crucified for you. And then your heart will grow strong in God. And as we grow in walking with Jesus, the Holy Spirit strengthens and enlarges our hearts to take in more and more and more of the love of God. The love of Jesus is so powerful. The greatest saint, the greatest mystic the church has ever known, knows virtually nothing of the love of Jesus in comparison to what it truly is. And as we go on in this life, we find that even though outwardly we are wasting away, Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day as we feed by faith on the cross of Christ. And one day, hopefully, we'll all be wrinkled, shrunken, little old men and women, our bodies weak and shaking, perhaps. But may the Spirit give us hearts that burn with the love. Let's pray and ask for that grace. Father, you have shown your love to us sinners through the gift of your Son. And now, according to the riches of your glory, grant that we would be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ might dwell in our hearts, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the heights, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness. Amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org Thanks for listening.